I am Alan Monroe with Monroe Farms in Friona, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas. Agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Domo. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you once again for another episode of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas researchers have received a $300,000 grant from USDA to study one of the most costly diseases in the cattle industry. We'll have more on that coming up as we kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Dolmel, and I'm your host. I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. Animal rights activists targeting the farm bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the Texas Cattle Feeders Association annual convention in Grapevine on Texas Ag Today. There have been some nice rains around the Texas High Plains in recent weeks, but the reality is much of our region continues to run dry. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Central Texas producers are planting cool season crops while being hopeful for one more hay cutting this season. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. But first, researchers from Texas A&M University's School of Veterinary Medicine have been awarded a grant to study the most costly disease in the cattle industry, bovine respiratory disease. The $300,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture will go to the Veterinary Education Research and Outreach Program at the Vet School to fund a highly collaborative project involving Mississippi State University, West Texas A&M University, and Texas A&M AgriLife. The project will look at the effects of vaccination and management strategies on the cattle immune system and microflora, specifically as it relates to BRD. According to the vet school, BRD costs the cattle industry around a billion dollars each year in prevention, management, and treatment fees, as well as in herd losses. Although it has been studied for years, creating management strategies for BRD has been difficult because we are not currently able to accurately predict which individual animals will contract the disease. The new project seeks to understand what makes some cattle more susceptible to BRD than others. Researchers will first take samples from a variety of cattle and keep track of them throughout their life cycle so they know which cows eventually get sick and which don't. 
Dr. Matthew Scott, an assistant professor at VERO, said after doing that, they will look at the cow's gene expression to see what may be affecting their immune systems on a molecular level. Then they'll look at samples taken from the upper respiratory tracts of the animals to analyze the microbial community so they can understand how that may be affecting the cattle's internal ecosystems. The project is expected to take about two years. Harvest continues across Texas, According to a report released earlier this week from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 83% of the Texas corn crop has been harvested so far. That is ahead of the five-year average. 49% of the crop is rated good to excellent. 32% of Texas cotton harvest has been harvested. That is ahead of our five-year average. 15% of the cotton crop is rated good to excellent. Looking to grain sorghum, 88% of the crop in Texas has been harvested. That is also ahead of our five-year average. 45% of it is rated good to excellent. Texas peanut harvest is underway with 11% of the crop harvested. That is below our average. 39% is rated good to excellent. And rice harvest seems to be wrapping up. 95% of that crop has been harvested so far. The crop condition for rice was not available. Only 8% of pasture land in Texas is rated good to excellent, mainly due to drought. Animal rights activists are targeting the Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti joins us with that story. My guest today is Todd Wilkinson. He is president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and uh, he recently spoke to the Texas Cattle Feeders Association convention in Texas. And Todd, what was your main message to cattle feeders as they met uh, in uh, Texas? One of the biggest uh, messages was the degree of activism that's coming from the animal rights uh, groups, and they're trying to interfere with our farm bill and the process of the farm bill. I wanted the audience to be aware that uh, you normally don't see animal activists getting involved in the farm bill. Why are you thinking that they're uh, honing in so much on this farm bill? Probably the best reason is that we're having such good success with the checkoff. It's few things you can invest a dollar and basically get $12 in return. It appears that they have decided that that is too good a rate of return and they don't want the checkoff to succeed. They're trying to attack it. Now the beef checkoff has been around uh, since the late 1980s and so why all of a sudden are they uh, targeting uh, that particular checkoff program? Of course there are other checkoff programs in agriculture as well. They were going after other checkoffs but primarily it was focused on the beef checkoff. The interesting part of it, a couple years ago there was an attempt to have a referendum done on the beef checkoff and they couldn't even get enough signatures to put it to a vote. That speaks volumes to me about America's producers believing in the checkoff and believing what it can do. The animal rights activists have decided, apparently based upon their their Washington, D.C. spend, that America's uh, cattle producers don't have their best interests in heart and they're trying to tell us to do something different. That is Todd Wilkinson. He is president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Several parts of Texas have received some beneficial rain over the past couple of weeks, but there's a part of the Texas panhandle that has missed out. James Hunt has that story for us. Following what was a very dry summer for most of the Texas High Plains, those rains that came in September and earlier this month were certainly welcome. The unfortunate thing is not everyone got to enjoy that recent moisture. As has been true since June, the central portion of the Texas Panhandle stayed pretty much on the dry side. 
One person who's quite aware of this trend is Extension Agent J.D. Ragland with the Randall County Extension Office in Canyon. It seems like the showers that's occurred has either been north of us uh, or they've been south of us, but we just have been unable to capitalize on some much-needed moisture. Along with hurting this season's crops, Ragland says having the experience of multiple dry years in a row has largely prevented any recharge of area groundwater as reflected in the numbers from the High Plains Water District. You look at their data on the tests that they do in terms of depth of water underground-wise, you can just see a depletion, a uh, descending curve, if you will, on that data. It averages, you know, losing anywhere from a half to a foot, in some cases two foot in some areas on a given year. And you never see over the past two or three years any incline there on that data. Faced with a growing water challenge, Raglan foresees the likelihood of Randall County producers shifting more of their acres to sorghum in the coming years, and silage production is likely to continue to grow as it requires less water than grain production. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Beneficial rains are improving pastures and helping early planted oats in Central Texas. Tom Nicoletti has that story. We now go to Dr. Shane McClellan reporting for us in Central Texas and in the Waco area. And Shane, farmers are out there uh, planting their oats for uh, grazing uh, opportunities this fall. Uh, how is that going so far? It's going well. We've got a, a, just enough moisture in the ground that some of that early planted oats for grazing has emerged. They'll continue to plant oats for grazing. The next couple of weeks, only thing that would slow them down would be if we do get some rain. There is some rain in the forecast, but most producers that are planting or livestock producers are planting oats for grazing right now. But at this time, it's too early to uh, plant wheat and oats for grain production. It is. Most of the, the wheat and oats planted in our area in Central Texas for grain harvest. Of course, the oil is going to depend on moisture, but typically everything ideal, they won't plant until late October, early November with the most uh, volume of our wheat and oats planted for grain harvest would be early part of November to about middle of November. And if the rains don't keep us out of the field, then they'll finish up in November. We've had them planted as, as late as December 15th or so, but that's that's not, of course, ideal. And certainly the recent rainfall in Central Texas as uh, summer turned to autumn has certainly uh, helped some of the pastures really has, and the scattered rains are surprising us is how fast our, our warm season grasses and weeds are responding. They're all growing now. Didn't take much moisture. It just depends on where you were. If you received up to an inch, even up four plus inches, all the grasses are responding, growing. Pastures look a lot better. They'll have a hint of green to them. And if you had to put out some hay, the livestock have left the hay and they're back out in the pastures grazing on that little bit of green. Yeah, and certainly a lot of sunny days, and that's helping the situation. And uh, another situation that uh, is looking promising for uh, agricultural producers in the region is that there uh, looks like another uh, cutting of hay uh, will occur before the end of the year. It is, and that's kind of exciting for our livestock producers when they've had to buy hay the last couple of years. Um, they can actually hopefully stockpile a little bit. Most people cut at least once in the spring this year. Many had two cuttings. On, on just dry land pastures, no irrigation. But we're looking now where we've got 30 plus days before we expect a frost. So with, with plenty of sunshine and hopefully some more moisture, 
we should get another cutting. Uh, even our sorghum Sudan is bringing back up and growing. Um, that's probably going to get cut at least one more time. But most of our, our improved grasses, hay fields, will be cut one more time. And that's that's really a good thing with the past two years that we've had. Um, our livestock producers need a good year. It's kind of strange to say, but we haven't had a, a lot of good years for hay production in the, in the recent, recent memory. Shane, thanks for the update. Thank you, Tom. That is Dr. Shane McClellan. He is reporting for us today from Waco. There's a new rule for sanctioned horse shows from AQHA. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The American Quarter Horse Association, or AQHA, has implemented a new rule for sanctioned horse shows. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. And AQHA is implementing a new mandatory necropsy rule regarding all on-site fatalities at any AQHA-approved event. The new rule will be added to the official handbook of rules and regulations, and for purposes of the rule, a fatality is defined as a death to any horse by any means, including euthanasia, at any time from when the horse arrives at the venue until the completion of the AQHA-approved event or the event where such injury or illness is related to the horse's presence at the AQHA-approved event. This pertains to death on the showgrounds or death while being transported to another facility to seek care. The trainer, owner, or exhibitor, as defined by AQHA rules, must notify the AQHA show steward or show manager as soon as possible, but no later than one hour after the death occurs. In most cases, a gross necropsy exam by a veterinarian is required, including sending tissue samples off for histopathology at the lab. If the responsible party refuses the necropsy, they are subject to temporary suspension by the AQHA. The AQHA 
Monday will appoint a three-person panel from the Animal Welfare Grievance Committee for the purpose of reviewing this incident. The responsible party must agree to cooperate with AQHA by answering truthfully and promptly any questions, provide medical and treatment records, and a necropsy report. It is possible AQHA could temporarily suspend the responsible party pending their investigation. The AQHA Animal Welfare Commission was formed in 2012 and reports directly to the Executive Committee. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. The youth-only, veterans and active-duty military, and regular duck hunting seasons in the High Plains Mallard Management Unit open up later this month. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says numbers should be good, but the drought will have an impact on duck hunting. We're approaching the drought of record of 2010-2011 in the state of Texas. Obviously, <laughs> the word water is in waterfowl, so it's important that we have water on the landscape. And for the vast majority of the species we're talking about, we need fresh water. And right now, there's just a real lack of abundance of fresh water on the landscape in Texas. And from North Texas, the Red River, all the way to the Gulf Coast, is extreme drought. The one little bright spot this summer saw extreme rainfall up here in the Texas Panhandle. And some of that water is still on the surface and will probably be a pretty high concentration area for waterfowl this winter. Fingers crossed that things change. They have and they will, hopefully. And we can start getting some rain, you know, in East Texas and down along the Texas coast to start filling wetlands and rivers and ponds and lakes. Otherwise, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that don't have anywhere really to duck hunt. When you have years like this, you know, those people that do have water are going to see very successful hunting. And we just saw that coming out of the early teal season. There was a handful of people that had probably the best season they've ever seen in their life because they had pretty much all the water and all the ducks. They have the luxury of being able to pump water out of water wells and things like that, have a reservoir or something like that to get water from. So those types of individuals are, are really, really sitting pretty right now good as you can possibly get. But for the vast majority of the state of Texas and all the hunters, it's very important that we do start getting some of this weather changes uh, occurring, start getting some cool fronts, start getting some uh, winter precipitation. That was Kevin Cry from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We'll have a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and the financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the right to farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. 
The cattle complex traded lower on Friday following the release of the weekly export sales report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. That report showed a decline in beef exports last week at 32% lower than the week prior. It was 29% lower than the four-week average. October live cattle down 27 cents to 185.12. December live cattle down a dollar and five cents to 186.75. February live cattle down a dollar and seven cents to 190.92. October feeder cattle down two dollars and fifteen cents to 249.87. November feeder cattle down two dollars to 251.57. January feeder cattle down two dollars and twenty-two cents to 252.25. Box beef was higher Friday. Choice up two cents to 301.21. Select up 43 cents to 275.45. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. And this fella in the alleyway with me is my cousin Brian Lentzman, Seguin Cattle Company. They sell sheep and goats and cattle on Wednesday. Brian, how'd this week's sale turn out? Sale turned out good, Larry. Receipts lower this week. Uh, you know, we had the rain last week and it just sigh of relief for a little while, but uh, ended up with 661 head of cattle. Uh, quality overall good. Uh, market steady all the way through. Packer cows and bulls right along with last week. So if we didn't lose any ground, I'm happy. Yep. Uh, those two to three weight steers, 212 to 310. Three to four weights, 228 to 320. Four to five weights, 199 to 305. Five to six weights, 187 to 260. Six to seven weights, 197 to 225, with seven to eight weight steers, 175 to 211. Get to the heifer mates, two to three weights, 183 to 280. Three to four weights, 210 to 282. Four to five weights, 210 to $3. Five to six weights, 189 to 240. And six to seven weight heifers, 187 to 212. Top end of the pack of cows, a dollar today. Uh, Top end of the bulls, dollar thirty-five. Had a few palpated cows up to eleven hundred, and a few pairs up to fourteen hundred. So that's kind of cattle market. How about sheep and goats? Sheep and goats ended up with uh, four hundred ninety-eight head of those. Uh, top end of the nannies, one hundred fifty-five dollars with the kid goats bringing from two to two ninety. Uh, Dorper ewes up to one hundred and seventy with lambs bringing from two to two sixty. So that market's unchanged again. So world is good well tell everybody how to get in on it next week you can give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can give me a call on my cell phone 830-305-0652 we appreciate it thank you see you next week cousin larry and neighbor we'll see you every day monday through friday right here on the texas farm bureau radio network and my program walking the pins you're listening to me right this second on texas ag today the weekly export sales report also prompted lean hogs to trade lower on Friday. That report showed that pork export sales were 51% lower last week and 32% below the four-week average. October lean hogs down 17 cents to 81.92. December lean hogs down 60 cents to 69.50. October class three milk down eight cents to 16.85 a hundredweight. November class three milk up a dime to 17.40 a hundredweight. Despite a lackluster weekly export sales report, cotton traded higher on Friday thanks to an increase in crude oil and a weaker U.S. dollar. December cotton up 114 points to 86.06. March cotton up 111 points to 87.77. May cotton up 125 points to 88.88. 
Harvest pressure and a lackluster export report pushed corn to trade lower Friday. According to USDA, exports for the week ending October 5th were 50% lower than the previous week. December corn down two and three quarters to 493 and a quarter. March corn down three to 508 and a half. May corn down three to 516 and a half. December hard red wheat down six to six sixty nine. March hard red wheat down five and a half to six seventy eight and a half. May hard red wheat down five and a quarter to six eighty four and three quarters. November natural gas fell a dime Friday to three twenty three. December natural gas down a nickel to three fifty eight. November crude oil up four dollars and fifty one cents Friday to eighty seven forty two. December crude oil up four dollars and thirty five cents to eighty six fifteen a barrel. According to Reuters, that increase is due to investors' concerns that the conflict in the Middle East could worsen. The Dow fell almost two points Friday to 33,629. The S&P 500 fell 26 points to 4,323. And the Nasdaq fell 167 points to 13,407. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.